0: In Mark chapter 1 and verse 27, Jesus immediately, upon taking on the work of preaching the message of the Father, cast out demons. And when He did so, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 27, the people asked, what is this? What does this mean? Sometimes when you and I study our Bibles... We read about what Jesus did, what he said, and we ask the question, what does this mean? And we ask the question, how do I understand this properly? On the first Sunday evening of each month, we discuss different types of questions. We talk about those that are textual. Those where you're reading the text, what does it mean when it says this? Some are topical. We talk about things like baptism. We talk about repentance. We talk about church discipline. Some are practical. Some relate to how we do what God wants us to do and and some practical suggestions for that. Well, tonight's two questions are going to address both a textual concern and a practical one. Let's begin with our first question. And I'm putting the question as it was asked of me, which really is too. What was the purpose of the oil in James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15? And the second part of the question is, can an eldership anoint people with oil today? Well, let's read James chapter 4 or James 5 or 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, it will be forgiven or he will be forgiven. Now, I might point out that there's a third question that you might could ask with regards to this. And I'm going to try to insert it into this. And that is, what is the nature of the sickness? Is it a spiritual sickness or is it a physical one? Now, we do understand that the term sickness sometimes can refer to a sin-sick soul. Sometimes, as you think about it, you think about a person who is just really overcome with sin in their lives. But generally, sickness is considered to be physical unless context indicates otherwise. And so I would think that in this context, it would indicate that this is a physical sickness versus a spiritual one. As an additional point, if you go to verse 15... The committing of sins and the forgiveness of those is conjoined with a conjunction and with that of likely the physical illness. For instance, notice, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. When you have the two and, you're joining two ideas together. So I believe that the context would certainly indicate that of A real, genuine sickness, a physical sickness. There were three things that were to be done when a person was sick, in this case. Number one, to call for the elders of the church. Number two, to anoint that person with oil or pray over him, second of all. And then to number three, anoint him with oil. And I want you to notice carefully what the text says here. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. He does not say that the oil will save the sick. He says the prayer of the faith will save the sick. I believe the healing here must have been miraculous. And you say, well, what, what would make you think that? Well, they called the elders rather than calling a physician. Normally, if you were physically sick and you needed a physical healing, you would call a Physician. In Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. In fact, it was the beloved Luke himself who was a physician. He was a doctor, and he was a healer. Normally, if a person was sick, you called for a physician. In this case, they were to call for the elders. Number two, healing was one of the spiritual miraculous gifts. Now for just a minute or two, let's go through some passages to see this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul enumerates a number of the miraculous gifts. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another the different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Do you observe that each of these were miraculous gifts And thus, healings was one of them. You call for the elders of the church to heal this man. So you must have expected that they would have a miraculous healing. But even more directly to the point of that, if you go to Mark chapter 6, and you read about the disciples being sent out and they're going and preaching, Mark records, so they went out and preached that people should repent. Repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And John the Baptist was, Herod had killed John the Baptist and he thought, this is John the Baptist come back from the dead. Or if you go to Mark 16, right after the giving of the Great Commission in verses 15 and 16, He said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now listen carefully. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These were the miraculous signs that would follow those who would believe. So I would suggest to you that who better than the elders of the first century church would you expect to possess these gifts to be able to heal in a miraculous way. There's at least a couple of passages in my mind that would parallel this in the Old Testament. The first one is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. It's regarding Elijah the prophet. And if you'll remember the widow with whom Elijah had multiplied uh, the oil and been able to take care of her and her son, if you'll remember the son became sick and died. And if you'll read in verses 21 and 22 about Elijah, it says, He stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Here's a person who was sick and actually was brought back to life by Elijah. But one that maybe even resonates more with us is found in 2 Kings chapter 20 and relates to Hezekiah. Isaiah the prophet was sent to him to tell him that he would die and not live. That's in verse 1. It says, Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, how I prayed, how I walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what was good in your sight. Hezekiah wept bitterly. God sends Isaiah back to tell him. He said, thus says the Lord God, oh, David, your father, I've heard your prayer, seen your tears, and surely I will heal you. You see, there were times when people did actually have physical illnesses that were healed by the hands of those whom God had designated So now let me answer the questions directly and specifically. What about the oil? Oil was sometimes used for medicinal purposes. We're going to see that in Luke 10.34. Sometimes it was a hospitable act. In Luke chapter 10, you remember the man who was beaten and robbed and left on the side of the road and the Good Samaritan came along and we learned that he went to him, bandaged his wounds, Pouring on oil and wine. There was a medicinal use for oil in a person who had been injured. In Luke 7 verse 46, Jesus said, You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Normally if you went to someone's house, there was a a custom, if you will, to see that their feet was washed. There was a custom to then anoint a person's head with oil because of the the dusty road and the dry skin. But it also was frequently used in the Bible for the appointing of a person before God, a designation, if you will. Whether it was a prophet or a priest or a king, particularly under the Old Testament, those who were designated were had oil poured over them. I could spend a lot of time going through those passages, but let me just use one with which I'm sure most of you are very familiar. You remember the shepherd's psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You get down to verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So we see the use of oil here has a number of different uses. Anointing was a physical act tied to the healing of God's miraculous act. So here the elders come in, they pray over the person, they anoint the person with oil, and the person is healed. It's not the oil that does the healing, it was the prayer that was prayed by those godly men And it was God answering their prayer in a miraculous way. The second part of the question was, should one call for the elders today to pray and anoint with oil? It's appropriate always to call the elders of the church. If you're sick and you want someone to pray for you, I would urge you to feel free to call our elders and say, Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? There's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's appropriate also to visit the sick. Sometimes the sick don't want to be visited, and that's okay if they don't want that, but it's appropriate if someone's sick to say, Would you come check on me? and to call for them to do so. It's always appropriate to pray for God's healing because God still works today not through miracles but through His providence. God is able to use the hands of doctors and nurses and the various medicines that they are able to prescribe to be able to bring about healing. If it didn't, then there would be no purpose in our praying whatsoever. But we do pray. As an act of kindness, you may be able to wash the face of a person who is sick. I can't tell you how many times that I've visited someone who will be in a, a a hospital bed and say, I'm thirsty, could you see I get some water? Usually I'll look and say, can they have it? I remember several years ago, Brother Jim Slatton said, would you give me some of that water over there? And I said, Jim, I don't think you're supposed to have that. And they said, no, he's not supposed to have that at all. And he said, well, will you give me one of those swabs that I can swab around in my mouth? And I said, can you have one of those? And they said, yeah, you can have one of those. But as an act of kindness, to wash the face, to apply some oil as, a, again, an act of kindness. But we should not expect miraculous healing today. And someone says, well, why shouldn't we expect miraculous healing? Because the days of the miracles have passed. I could spend a lot of time explaining to you how all of these miracles were a part of a package When you read those things, for instance, in Mark 16, verses 17 through 20, or you read Hebrews chapter 2, and he talks about God also bearing witness with signs and wonders various miracles according to His own power, His own will. God provided those, but according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13... He said we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect has come that which is in part shall be done away. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8. God planned those miracles only for a certain portion of time and after those miracles ceased we should not expect them today. Question number two. And this is as I received it. I have a hard time knowing how to pray and what to pray for. Can you help? God desires that we pray and we pray often. But let's say you're a young person. I don't know who submitted this question. I don't know if you're young, you're old. I don't know if the, the thought behind it is... I don't know what to say, or if I feel like I'm making a mistake. But I will tell you, God desires that we talk with Him and pray often. And I will tell you that there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. And I know people don't want to do the wrong thing. When we pray, we ought to believe that God is going to answer our prayers. Not that just God has the power to answer our prayers, but that God cares enough to answer our prayers. Listen to Matthew 21, verse 22. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Luke 18, 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart. Don't give up and say, God doesn't care about me. He does care about you. Prayers must be according to God's will. In 1 John 5, verses 14 and following, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask we know that we will have the petitions we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There's a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Do you hear what John is saying? If I see somebody over there and I know they're striving, they're they're trying to do their best and... And I I can pray for them and I can pray according to God's will. But I shouldn't ask God to do something that God says I won't do. Prayers must not be selfish. You know, some people have the idea that prayer is like going and sitting on Santa Claus' lap as a child and saying, I want a train set, I want this, I want that, I want something else. As if we somehow just tell God everything that's on our mind, everything that we want. In James 4, verses 2 and 3, You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war and you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, then you may spend it on your pleasures. If all of our prayers consist of, God, please give me this. God, please give me that. Then we've misunderstood what prayer was all about. Prayer is also many other things. We have to understand prayers can also be hindered by our behavior. If a man decides in his own mind, I'm going to pray to God to give me something, and yet he doesn't act as if he loves God or tries to serve God, would you expect God to give him an answer? Yeah, I guess I'll give you that. I'm amazed sometimes. People say, hey, I pray all the time. I say, well, we've been missing you at church. I know I don't ever come to church anymore, but I still pray. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Do you mean my home life Separate and apart from the church. My home life can affect whether or not God will listen to my prayers. Yes. Now, here's a very important verse. In fact, if there's one of the verses that you were looking down to say, I really wish I had more time to study one of those verses, this is the one. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. We are all subject to weakness in prayer. Paul writes, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Did you hear what Paul said? There's help for our weaknesses. And we do not know what we ought to pray as we ought to. We we just don't know what things we ought to say. Someone tells us, you need to go to your father, your physical father, and tell him this. And I can tell you what a lot of young children will say, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Well, I can tell you that our Heavenly Father looks down and knows our weaknesses. But I would suggest that you focus on three things when you pray. Number one, focus on God and give Him thanks, give Him praise, give Him honor. Recognize to whom you are speaking recognize that God loves you, God cares for you, but you need to let God know that you are appreciative for what you have. There's so many passages I could think of with regards to this. You know, we quote quote Colossians 3, verse 16, you know, "...let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, monies, and singing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." And whatever you do in word or deed, do all the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Thanks, appreciation. Second of all, focus on others. One of the greatest things that you and I can do to keep from being selfish is to think about what other people need rather than what we need. You know, for what I have, I need to be thankful for that. But I need to look and see what that person needs. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, Not looking each of you to his own things, but to the things of others. One of the greatest things you and I can do is we go before the Father and say, Father, I want to ask you to bless this family. I know they've lost a loved one. I don't know how to talk to that family. I don't know what to say. I don't understand how how I ought to, but God, I know you know how. In fact, Romans 8, 26, with groanings which cannot be uttered, we pour out our heart to God and we ask, we intercede for people and their needs. And then number three, we ought to pray about self. And it would be very easy to say, Lord, give me this, give me that. And, but Lord, look and see what I need. And give me ne- what I need, not necessarily what I want. I look at the early New Testament church. The message that Jesus left was, Go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. The church is establishing you know what the church did for a long time. They stayed right there in Jerusalem. It's only when you get to Acts chapter 8 and verse 2 that those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They might have prayed for safety, they might have prayed, Lord, give us a good day. What they needed was to carry the gospel into all the world. Sometimes we say, Lord, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, to fulfill his will. And yes, there are times when you and I can express our desires. The Apostle Paul asked God three times to let that thorn in the flesh pass from him and God told Paul no my grace is sufficient for thee in fact I'm made perfect in your weakness you and I need to pray to God ask God to give us what we need understanding that sometimes the answer may be no but the truth is God hears He's listening. And he is granting what is in our best interest. So, to answer the question and asking the question about our praying, I don't know how I ought to pray, realize none of us know how to perfectly express our feelings to God. Realize that all of us are beset with weaknesses. But recognize that if we will focus on God, we'll focus on others. And even ourselves, if we'll focus that properly, we know that God hears. Our desire should be to learn what God wants us to do. I think about Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. Here's Paul after he has seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. So he trembling and astonished said lord what do you want me to do that's a question we all ought to ask lord what do you want me to do what kind of things sh- should i do in this case he said you go into the city and it'll be told you what you must do as we read and study god's word naturally questions are going to arise as those questions have arisen tonight but as you and I answer the call of God. That call is going out everywhere. It goes out through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, No one comes unto me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everybody who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Jesus. We're going to sing, I am resolved. And if you are resolved to enter the kingdom, why not come and be baptized for the remission of your sins? Because you believe and you're willing to repent of those sins that you have committed. If you're a Christian and you realize sins in your life... And you're resolved to correct it. We will pray with you this evening. Would you come while we stand and sing?